find song number 261 in your hymnal. Trust and obey, now number 261, first, second, and third stanzas. 261, stanzas 1, 2, and 3. Trusting Jesus, 262. <laughs> Even when my 
right, I've been watching this mega church pastor named Stephen Furtick from Charlotte. I've decided to dress like him today. <laughs> Except my pants are not tight enough and there's not enough holes in the knees. Come on, I'm just kidding. <laughs> tomorrow is VBS, and so I thought I'd promote by wearing the adult shirts for tomorrow. And the kids have a different color one with the same logo. And so that's what this is about. <laughs> uh, sometimes you worry me because you don't catch the humor. <laughs> Let's go to the book of 1 John. I have a lot to cover this morning. It's a continuation from last week. I'm going to 1 John at 9.30. And so last week we talked about love and how important love is. And love... more to it than just love for the Christian life. However, it was the major mark that the Lord gave as to how you can tell who a disciple of mine is by how they love one another. So that was important. But I need to also uh, tell you that in 1 John chapter 2, there was a continuation. There is more to just love, and that's found in verse number 15. Come over there with me. 1 John 2, verse number 15. Let's pray first. Father, we thank you for the time you've given to us to be in church. Bless all that is going on this morning. And teach all of us in some way about important things. We thank you, Father, for the good weather. Thank you, Father, for the freedom we have to assemble together in church. And we pray that you give us all a blessing. Be it the folks still on the way. We thank you, Lord, for your people. We ask you to bless them. Bless your word today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, chapter 2, verse number 15. Let's read these verses together. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 15. And uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of verses I'm going to look at. Some of them you can read with me. Others I just read it because of the time. I want to get through all the scriptures. 1 John 2.15. Let's read together. Verse number 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now, after telling you last week how we should love as Christians, which is still very true, and we need to love as Christians because that's the nature of a Christian, there's also balance. And so here we have a scale to represent balance. Right? Balance. So on one side, John writes about this thing called love, which is pretty critical. You can know a lot of things, but if you don't have love in your heart, First Corinthians says you're like sounding brass tinkling cymbal. It's just not much in value. So you got to have that. But on the other side of the things, to balance things out, you have to have this thing called, or things I don't love. I'll abbreviate. And that's what First John 2.15 is talking about. Love but don't be so extreme in your love that you don't hate some things. Now, isn't that strange to say you should hate some things? Isn't it odd to say in modern times, modern Christianity, you should not love some things. You should have all love, 
You should be very permissive. You should be tolerant. You should never say no. You should always love everyone, everything, no matter what they are, no matter what they're doing. And that is the attitude in modern Christianity. However, come to three verses in the Old Testament very quickly. Let's look at these verses and they'll come back to 1 John. So keep your toe in 1 John 2 and then turn with your hand Psalm 119 verse 104. Let's look at these verses quickly. Balance will protect you from being extreme. All love, but no place to say no. That's wrong. I don't like that. I don't like I even hate that. There has to be balance to avoid being extreme. All right. Uh, let's see. Psalm 119 verse 104. Okay. Let's look at that verse quickly. Through thy precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate. What? What? That must be a mistranslation. I hate. I hate every false way. You know, when you read commentaries, you get a good laugh because it shows their biases. And it says, that doesn't really mean, okay, well, that's their opinion. But it does say, I hate every false way. Look at verse 128. 128. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. And I, there's that H word again. I hate every false way. There is a time to not like something. There's a time to hate something. While you are trying to be more Christ-like in your love. Look at verse 163. Now throughout this Psalm 119, the writer says, I love thy law. I love thy precepts over and over again. And tucked in these verses, he says, I hate, I hate, I hate. <laughs> now don't, don't, don't be upset. Look at what the Bible is saying. Verse 163. I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. Isn't that interesting? Let's go to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. We have to realize that modern Christianity does not give all the counsel of God. They only emphasize certain things about the Christian life in the Bible. We have to emphasize what the Bible emphasizes. Look at chapter 6 of Proverbs. And verse number 16. 616. These. Now if I pause. Would you say the next word when I pause. These. Six. These six things doth the Lord. Hate. That's another mistranslation. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea. Seven. Seven are an abomination unto him. It makes him throw up. Verse 17. A proud look. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood, verse 18, a heart that deviseth imaginations. That'd be all of the entertainment industry, just about. Hmm. Feet that is swift to swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh and he that discord among brethren. So these are some things the Lord specifically says, I hate, I no. What you want to learn so far is very simply, the Lord is love, but he also has hate in him about certain things. The things that he hates go against his nature. The things that he hates goes against what is right and wholesome and good and true. And that's how it works out. Now, so there's a time to love. There's a time to hate. Ecclesiastes 3 talks about that, by the way. So in chapter 2 of 1 John, look at verse number 15. 1 John 2, 15. Let's begin teaching through this. He says, love not. There, once again, there you go. Love not certain things. Uh, in the name of love, 
you have to not love certain things. If you love God, you love things that He loves. If you love God, you hate the things that He hates. All right, that's how it plays out. Now, God does not love everything, and neither should the Christian love everything. All right, now, let's look at this thing about the world. The world. He says, love not the world. Now, when you read the word world, right in this 1 John 2 passage, it tells you that there are two kinds of worlds. Two kinds of worlds. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 15. That sounds like my phone. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 15. There are two kinds of worlds. 2.15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now, what kind of words are we talking about here? Within these two verses, you have one kind of world, you have another kind of world. The first kind of world that you have is the physical world. The physical things that you see with your naked eye, the things that you see at night, the things, that, the things of this earth. Well, does God really say, don't love this world? He says, don't love the world that has these things in it, these elements of it. The elements of what? The elements of the lust of the flesh, verse 16. The lust of the eyes and the pride of life. That's not of the Father, but it's of the world. So you have within these two verses two kinds of worlds. One is the physical world. And do you know that First Timothy tells us God has given us all things, things to enjoy. Don't trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, which giveth to us all things, richly to enjoy, 1 Timothy 6.17. Well, if they give us all things to enjoy in this world, what are these things? It is probably not the things that are going to take you away from Jesus Christ. It's not the physical world. He wants us to enjoy what he enjoys. Do you know that everything is made for God's glory and for God's pleasure? Um, Colossians 1.16 says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth. Visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. So God's creation is made for him to just enjoy. Isn't that funny? He made everything. Let's confine it to this world. Everything that you and I get to see and discover and admire and marvel at. In this creation of God, we get to enjoy it. I like mountains. I like lakes. I like water. I like to be around it. I like to look at the vastness of even the Grand Canyon. Don't like to walk in it. <laughs> Too hot. But I like to enjoy these things of God's creation. This is why I enjoy going to Michigan. I enjoy Texas because of the people, but not about because of the weather. No, no. Uh, I like North Carolina somewhat, but, mm, but I like to enjoy a nice sunset, a nice sunrise, the colors of the sky above the Ko'ola Mountains and different times of day. Very beautiful. That's for us to enjoy. We get to, we get to enjoy what God enjoys himself. So that's not the kind of word he's talking about. It's not that. He says, don't love the world. That's not what he's talking about. The physical world, you are to enjoy it. Go camping. In the woods. Go camping. Um, bring your vending machine with you. 
and bring your hot AC, water yeah. with you and your refrigerator. Bring all those things of comfort in your home. Enjoy, go hiking and bring along with you things that make you comfortable. So he's not talking about hate that world. He's not talking about going diving or hang gliding or go, you know, and no, no, that's not what that's. It's talking about the things of this world. All right? Colossians 2, chapter 2. Oh, by the way, when it says enjoy, he's given us all things to enjoy. That includes a good steak. Amen. <laughs> that's serious. Right. He's given us all things to enjoy. God's creatures are made to eat. Except, except Komodo dragons. You ever see a Komodo dragon eat? That's a vicious reptile. That thing will eat from the head first. It'll... Why do I watch this thing? The Komodo dragon goes like this, and he goes he, he goes real slow, and then he just acts like he's not even alive, and then and then he just swallows a goat, head first, horn and all, and then you see this thing going through his mouth. It is so creepy, and he says that he just died just this bloated thing in him. He, it just. Now, God didn't mean for us to enjoy that. <laughs> but he meant for us to enjoy a good steak, well done, uh, barbecue chicken. So really, technically, the things of this life God's given to us for our sustenance, for our enjoyment. But he's saying don't, don't love a part of the world that is involving something morally or spiritually. Watch carefully. The elements of the world, the lust, the pride, that's not in the mountains, it's not in the sunset, it's not in the lake or not in the trees, it's not in that, it's in something else. It's the things of the world, things that go beyond the physical. It's not the beauty of nature, the wondrous things of this creation. It is something else. First, come over to uh, Colossians again. Colossians again. In chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. We will now see and identify what is the world that we're supposed to hate. The title of the lesson today is, What in the World is the World? <laughs> what in the World is the World? What is it? We have to identify so that we know what to hate properly. Colossians 2, verse number 6 says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in Him. So if you're saved, you are to follow Christ, to grow, to be like Christ in your life. Look at verse number 7. Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. So now that you have been saved, you are to continue to grow. It's like you've been planted into the soil spiritually, and you are to grow upwards and be more like Christ. You're supposed to grow strong. But there is an obstruction to the growth process. There is a hindrance. There is an opposition even, really, to the growth process that you're supposed to have as the normal Christian. Saved is just the beginning of a life on earth that is really the best life imaginable. Right. When John 10, 10 talks about the abundant life, he's talking about the life of a Christian who is a man who is born again. He's now walked with Christ every day. And the more he walks to Christ, he, he begins to realize and life begins to unfold to him. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not just an emotional whoa. It's an experience whoa. It's, it's year by year, you begin to think, boy, I wish I got saved sooner. Because... You realize how good the Lord is to you and how He answers your prayers. He guides you. He protects you. He's with you. He comforts All these things. And you're going, whoa, 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 whoa. And then you say, man, if I knew this was like this, I'd get saved sooner. 
Well, you got saved whenever you got saved, but you're certainly thinking, I'm so glad I'm not unsaved. I'm so glad I'm not in the world. Wait a minute, there's that word world. Now you're not in the world, but you're in the world. But you're rooted and grounded in Him. You're supposed to be growing. But there's a problem. It's going to keep you from growing in the right direction. Keep that in mind as a principle. Now that you're saved, you're supposed to grow. But you have an opposition. Something that will keep you from growing like you're supposed to. It's a constant. It's been like that since the first century. It'll never change. We have an enemy. And I liken it to... I like it to gardening. <laughs> I'm not a gardener. <laughs> but I tried to grow corn one time in the middle of Lonnie. Boy, I was like proud. Put the seeds down, water the thing. And the, the most exciting thing is when you first see the, the green thing come out. When it comes up, it's like, you feel like a success. And you watch that thing every night. You keep, you flashlight, look for the bugs eating it. And it begins to come up. And you're so proud. We had a little corner in the little backyard in the middle of Lonnie. And begin to come up and then the, the, the ear begin to grow it was so exciting it's like you won the world series <laughs> it's like you just got a multi-million dollar contract you feel so proud and, it, and the corn you see that ear cord and then you're so proud and then you realize you hear these sounds at night and you go out there and you were told by reading things that there are worms that come out they eat the leaves of your corn stalk you get so angry at them and then you go up there, you spray um, soapy water, things like that. And then uh, you always have an enemy trying to attack what you're trying to raise. And then, and then in Aya, we had a, I got a tiller because I didn't want to use the hole. I got a tiller, till up the ground, and then we put down seed of different kinds: bell peppers, what else? Tomatoes, and anyway, bell peppers, tomatoes for sure. And it was so, such a good day when you begin to see things come up and then they get taller and taller and taller. And you see a little green ball there, green ball here and everything. You feel so good. And then they begin to turn yellow. And then they're going to turn red. And then all of a sudden, next day you look at that thing, somebody took a bite out of them bell peppers and out of them tomatoes. And you're thinking, was it, was it one of my kids? Was it the neighbor? No, somebody attacked what I was trying to grow. It's the nasty worms and birds. And so we put screen over them. We put pie pans out so that wind blows the screens with the birds. You know what the birds did? The birds came by, looked at the pie pan, and says, Pie pan, these rookies. <laughs> these guys don't know what they're doing. Pie pan. <laughs> that going to scare me off. And they just ate away at our fruit. It made me so mad. I learned something. Though I'm not a farmer or, or anybody in a gardener, I learned one thing. Whenever you try to grow something, there's always something in nature to try to rob you of the fruit. Whether it be weeds or bugs or white flies, those nasty white flies. Yeah, white white things are a trouble in this world. <laughs> those nasty white flies, they come around and you, you try everything you can and it doesn't seem to work. Here's the lesson. You're supposed to grow. You're supposed to bear fruit as a Christian. But there's opposition to you and to me. Don't ever forget this. You always face opposition and it'll come from because it is your enemy. Alright? This is where we're going. He's saying, don't love the world because it is your enemy. You're saved, you're going to grow, you're supposed to. And then in verse number 7 of Colossians 2, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught. 
Well, who's going to unteach you what you've been taught that was right? Now, when you got saved, someone was supposed to have taught you the basics of the Christian life so that you can grow. Nobody taught me. I learned by, I guess I'm a self-learner. But no one told me to go to church. They should have said, go to church. They never said that to me. No one said, read the Bible, get a Bible. Or, you know, no, I just got one because I was curious. I wanted to learn. No one said get baptized, but I went and got baptized because I heard about baptism here and there and so on in the church. And then I eventually got baptized after a while. Um, so I should have been discipled. I was discipled, but not by people. Eventually, I began to grow. And uh, I was rooted. I was grounded. I was planted. I wanted to grow strong. But the obstruction was there. As it is with everybody in verse number 8. The obstruction is that beware. Oh, here we go. Let's identify the world. Beware lest any man spoil you. Now, what does spoil mean? When we think of the word spoil, we think about spoiled food. There's nothing like spoiled food that makes you want to just say, oh, you idiot. Now, sometimes my wife and I, she'll buy all these good stuff. She'll put it in the down refrigerator like that. And we forget about it. Don't you just love that? And I just burned up by that. I mean, did I? Okay, no. It's not my wife's fault, actually, because things get hidden in the refrigerator, and I don't see it, and uh, I miss it. And I, But we'll buy stuff that is sitting there for like a month, and, hey, this yellow squash, how come we did Oh, I forgot about it. Hey, these tomatoes, these bell peppers and things, oh, we forgot about it. It's got this brown, black, green stuff growing on it. Isn't that a blessing? We spent $6 for these six bell peppers, and this this green black stuff growing on and it. And then you get cheese. You buy, I love cheese. Cheddar cheese, sharp cheddar cheese. But then she keeps telling me, don't touch it with your fingers because you're going to leave stuff on it and it's going to grow mold. I said, no way. And so she's very careful. I just, and then after a while, that stack of cheese from Costco, the one in slices, I, I want to keep it as long as I can. But then halfway through, I begin to see, the block ones especially, halfway through you get to see the stuff growing on the side. You know that thing is, we think of spoil like that, but that's not the spoiling he's talking about up here. The spoiling he's talking about up here is like this, more like, like this, plunder. Think about a war, a raid, and someone comes into town and they spoil your town. One time Dave was in you know, a town called Ziklag, and he was off somewhere doing some kind of combat, and then he got word that some... The Philistines came in and they spoiled Ziklag. They took off, they, they, split, they took good and took away their wives and kids away. They spoiled Ziklag. Spoiling is to plunder. There's someone that wants to spoil you and your family, and it's the world. He wants to plunder your life. Now think of it like that. Let's not let's not glamorize the world. Let's not think of the word as our friend, um, because it is not. The world, he says here, verse number 8 in Colossians, to beware lest any man see, not creation, it's not a mountain, it's not a tree, it's a person. It's the, it's, the world is this. Ladies and gentlemen, the world is the, the system. It's the, well, let's look at what the Bible says here about what the world is. In verse number 8, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy, aha, philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. The enemy of a gardener is the weeds, the, the mites, and the white flies, and the birds, everything else. The enemy of the Christian is the world. It's the rudiments of the world. 
Rudiments are the basics, the fundamentals of something. The rudiments of this world, the basis of this world, is that it is anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-Christian. That's the rudiments of the world. The world by itself, by its nature, is against God and against Jesus Christ and against the Christian and against the Christian church. That's the nature of the world. It's against and it wants to spoil the Christian, prevent him, hinder him, destroy his growth, philosophy, they just see traditions of men. The enemies of gardening are real. The enemies of the Christian, they are also real. Uh, he says, beware of it. Beware of the world, the rudiments of the world, and so on. The world wants to spoil us as Christians. Uh, give you an example. I have, I have, you all have, you, you men and most of you, you, you have, sometimes this thing walks away from me. I have this. When I left the parking lot, I locked the car. I have a habit. When I walk away, I always look back at the car as if it's going to make it more safe. Lock the car, walk away. Oh, it's still there. Okay, it's safe. <laughs> if it's a rental car, walk away. Who cares, right? Well, you better care because of the, whatever. But you locked the car. Now, when you left your home today, did you lock your front door? Did you lock your back door when you left to go out of your home? Did you check the sliding door? We have a friend in Pro City. Uh, she's Chinese, and uh, she's very meticulous, very careful. And there's a sliding door that leads to her little patio. And then she, when she slides herself, she has a lock on the bottom, has a lock at waist level. She locks both of them. I'm there doing some work for her a few months ago, and I have to go outside. She has to wait, wait, take out the stick, slide the thing open. I go outside. She locks me outside. I say, what's that all about? She said, there's thieves around here. And I say, do I look like a thief to you? She says, well, you never can tell. <laughs> oh, man, I don't know what I'm doing over here. I come back in. We take a lunch break. She locks the screen. It's so hot. It's a breeze come in. She locks it up. There's thieves around here. And she's very careful. She wants to be sure that nothing is spoiled from her. Front door, she makes sure. We're like that. Anything valuable to us, we do the same thing. Cars, our homes, anything of value to us, we make sure that it's secure. Now, there's a Bible verse I'm going to give you a lesson. There's a Bible verse. There's a Bible verse that says this. In Proverbs 29, verse number 50, it says this. A rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left himself bringeth his mother to shame. What's that all about? A child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. What's that got to do with the world? What's it got to do with love not the world? Well, think this through with me. A child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. <coughs> Question, does a mother want her child to go into the world and be corrupt? Probably not. Especially a Christian mom. A Christian mom wants her kids to grow up right and live for Jesus Christ. Get saved and live for Jesus Christ. That is normal. But what is the enemy of the Christian? The world. A child left himself brings his mother to shame. You know what this is about? I mean, it's indirect, but it is true. When, when kids are left to themselves to do what they want to do, do they not have an old nature? Does their old nature tend to do wrong without even being taught to do wrong? We've got to teach kids to do the right thing. When a child left himself, it brings his mother to shame because the child will get into the world. And when the child gets into the world, the child will hide things until 
the child gets careless and then he's found out. And at that point, you realize, oh, where'd you get that word from? What did you say? What did you just say? You didn't even want the kid to repeat that. Where'd you get that from? It wasn't from us. Parents are looking at each other. Where'd you get, where'd that come from? Where'd you get that idea? What are you talking about? Where'd you get that from? It wasn't from you because you wanted your child to be rooted and grounded and growing. But now something has gotten to their head. Something they have seen, something they have heard. Maybe it's the people they hang around, the peers that hang around. And now that good, respectful, uh, uh, obedient, compliant child, I don't want to go to church today. Well, you still want to go to church? I know, but it's so boring. I hate that word, boring. It's so boring. Well, hey, what are you? What are you wearing, girl? You're gonna go like that? No, go back and change. Well, before it wasn't like that. Something is going on here. Something's getting into the head of that little girl and that little boy. Hey, what? Where have you been? You don't know where your child has been? What have you been doing? Hey, what's that I smell? Uh, what? Do I smell funny, Dad? What, what is that I smell? You know what that smell is? You know what that smell is? You smelled it before, out somewhere. All right, let me check your room. No, it's my room. You can't come into my room. Where'd you get that idea from, kid? That this is your room. That this is my space. That you own, you own this room? Do you pay for this room, boy? My, you can't come into my room. Well, that boy never did do that to dad before. Resist his order or request. No, you can't come in. Shut the door. Are you trying to hide something? Well, you know he is. What is he hiding? What's going on over here? There's an enemy called the world. There's a system in this world that wants to plunder your family, your child. And the naive parent who says, well, everything's okay because, you know, I mean, um, I got no bad report from the school. The principal didn't call me. The vice principal didn't call me. Everything is good. Every time I, night time, my, my son and my daughter's in bed, they're sleeping. Everything's fine. But there's so many unknowns here. And when a child left himself, he will bring his mother to shame. The world system will get a hold of that boy, that girl, and corrupt that boy before you know it. Remember, watch the finger. Something that they hear, something that they see is going to corrupt them. It's going to spoil them. When they can wake up, your boy's 15, your girl's 16, and they, have, they want to do all these kind of things that you never taught them to do. What are you watching? You walk in the room and they quickly turn the station. What's going on over here? What are you listening to on your headphones? Let me hear. No, no, it's my headphones. You can't. You better stop right now and realize that you're leaving your kids alone too much. Now, that might not be manifested until maybe, you know, um, 11, 12, 13, whatever like that. But now, I don't know. But I'm just saying one thing. Uh, when a child's left himself, the world will come by and grab him and whisper into his ear and say, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Hey, try this. 
and pretty soon the world system that is corrupt and anti-God will cause your child to be anti-God. That is avoidable. That's all avoidable. But you have to realize that the rudiments of this world, the fundamentals of this world, it is against Christ in his system. I'll look at some verses with you about what Jesus said about the world. But I'll tell you this, it's against Christ. It is against Christ and his philosophies, his attitude, his traditions, and his system. And uh, it will not help you to grow as a Christian. As a matter of fact, it will try to spoil you and eat away at your Christian life as doth white flies or birds. As an example of the world being anti-Christ, I, when I was a kid and when you were a kid, remember we dated things like this, B.C. and A.D.? B.C., of course, represents before Christ, yeah, his birth. A.D., we used to think after death, but it's in the year of our Lord, Latin phrase. Now they've changed that. What is B.C. now? B.C.E. Before that Christian era. Common area. Area. <laughs> era. And A.D. no longer is A.D. What is A.D. now? Anybody know? I wrote it down. C.E. C.E. Yeah. Common area. Common era. Okay, now, what's wrong with these these things to replace that. You know what? Somebody said this. Here's what the official statement is about that. Watch this. Listen to this one. Here's the official statement about that. Quote, CE, common era, BCE, before common area, replacing before Christ, replacing AD. What? Era. Era. What did I say? Era. Era 51. Why not? Same thing. <laughs> CE, BCE are used in exactly the same way as the traditional abbreviations AD and BC. Okay, so you're telling me it's the same thing? If it is, why'd you change it? Because, quote, because AD and BC hold religious, parenthesis, Christian connotations, many prefer, who are this many that prefer to change? Many prefer to use the more modern and neutral CE and BCE to indicate if a year is before or after year one. Continuing the quote, according to the International Standard for Calendar Dates, ISO 8601, comma, both systems, BC, AD, CE, BCE, both systems are acceptable. But if it's acceptable, why'd you change it in the first place? I think that's a subtle, sneaky, rotten, attempt to take away from the mind of the general public BC what does BC mean oh you know what BC yeah, before Christ oh before Christ now there's no connection to before Christ what does this other thing mean oh common air oh, common air means nothing they neutralized it they have taken away the opportunity for the for anyone any generation to not even know about who Jesus Christ is the most important human man in history now gone from the public's eye and attention. It's like taking the Ten Commandments. Remember that? They used to have Ten Commandments in school. 1960-61, up to that time, just before Kennedy was assassinated, in the Dallas public school system, they had electives for high school students. You know what they were? Electives in high school for students. Public school, Old Testament, New Testament survey were electives. Gone. Why are they taken away? 
Well, because it's religious and separation. It's all, it's all of the world, the enemy of the Christian, to rob our mind generations after of the possibility of knowing what that means. Can you see the subtlety and even the directness that is against Jesus Christ? Now, I'm not saying everybody here who is a, not a Christian or in the world work for the government is a, is a demon. Okay, I'm not saying that. <laughs> it just seems that way. <laughs> but it's not true. There's something behind the scenes of what I'm saying. It's the system of this world. All right, now look at 1 Timothy 6.20 quickly. 1 Timothy 6.20. Let me go ahead and read it. But write it down first. 1 Timothy 6.20. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called. And so you now have education, academic science. Science is a good thing, isn't it? Because of science, we have plastic bags. Because of science, we have plastic bags, 13 gallon and whatever else, trash bags. Plastic is good. Plastic straws are good. Paper straws disintegrate before the drink is done. Right, right. And you're sucking up the fibers of that, whatever that thing is. Bags are free at Michigan and Texas. We should have bagged a whole bunch of them, honey. We, we made a mistake. We should have brought them back here and sold it to you. Ten cents a piece. Science is good. Medicine is good. If you go to a dentist, a trained dentist, oh, it's not good. Trained mechanic, that's good. A doctor, that's good. Science is good. But Paul talked about science falsely so-called. Falsely so-called, the world system, worldview, is because they take away from the student any possibility that there's a creator. How is that good? How is that good for a kid who's been in church all of his life and goes to, he goes to a secular school to get a degree in, in um, engineering and he has to go to some prerequisite classes and he's got to take uh, humanities or some or whatever kind of thing. And everything is to rob his mind of there is a God, there's a creator, there's a morality, there's right and there's wrong, there's a Ten Commandments that's good, let's follow them, you know. But now everything's just, everything's just physical, everything's just evolutionary, no accountability. And pretty soon that good kid of yours who's down in a secular university, he comes from after his freshman year, doesn't want to go to church, doesn't want to read his Bible, has no interest in spiritual things. He's all into the world now. He's gotten worldly. The world's gotten to him. He's gotten infected. He's gotten corrupted. And that boy who was once a good model kid, as far as we understand things, now has his own mind. Now he has experience the world yeah. you ever heard the phrase uh, he's a real man of the world that's not a compliment he's a real man of the world I got a picture at home we had a, a, a scripture crowd out of it somewhere this guy he's like this he's kind of lounging like this and he's got a, uh, a little glass of some and it's, it's an advertisement for some kind of bourbon or some kind of alcohol thing he's like this and he's got everything under control Got a fireplace going. He's just really cool. He's like the old Marlboro man. You ever know what happened to him, the Marlboro man? They all died of cancer. But they all look so cool, so masculine, so macho. Riding out in the range there, free on a horse, real masculine, but they're dying on the inside. And this little picture here, a man of the world is not a good thing. You don't want to be a man of the world. 
you don't want to be a woman of this world. You don't want to be, you don't want your kids to be men of the world. You want them to be men of God. Yeah. Women, godly. The world will corrupt you and me and our kids if we don't be vigilant. So the world is our enemy. I'm identifying today the world. We haven't got too far in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, but first thing was to identify what the world is. It's not the physical world. It is the system of this world. It is the devil using this world. By the way, let me give you some verses here. Write this down, please. John 7, 7. The world cannot hate you. It's not from on the mountains. The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. So the system of this world, God condemns. He says it is evil. It is antagonistic toward the Christian in Christ. John 15, 18 says this. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, verse 19, John 15, 19. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. Well, that's very true. The world finds nothing wrong with people who are perverted. And people who are very, very debased. The world thinks they're great. The world thinks, well, they're just expressing themselves. That's their art. That's their music. That's just, it's fine. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. Because, But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. If you're saved, if you're a Christian, if your family is saved or if your family, if you want your family to be intact and wholesome and righteous and all that good stuff, then you know that the world is against that. Everything the Bible is for, the world is against. It hates the Christian and the Christian family. It's like the weeds flies bugs that wants to destroy your garden. Isaac Watts wrote this song. It's called, Am I a Soldier of the Cross? This one line here that gets my attention. Isaac Watts says, Are there no foes for me to fight? Must I not stem the flood? Is this vile world a friend to grace to help me on to God? The answer to that is no. He knew that in his time. John 14, 30 says this, Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. And then, of course, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says this, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So we don't love the world because the world system, the rudiments of this world, it is anti-Christ, it's owned by the devil, this is his property, his real estate, we are on his turf, we are on the enemy's ground, this world. It'll always be a combat zone. But our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but spiritual, mighty through God. So you fight the fight, spiritual weapons, all right? What you want to learn today is that the world is our enemy. We've identified the word from the scriptures. It's not people per se. It's not your unsaved co-worker, not that at all. It's the one who runs this world, the devil, the prince of this world, the God of this world, and he, he will try to stop you in your tracks, in your progress as a Christian. He'll keep you lost. He'll keep you blinded. He'll keep you unsaved until you die and go to hell. And he'll be happy about that. That's your enemy. So the Bible says in 1 John 2, 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Let's say that verse together, please, before we end this session. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Okay? 1 John 2, 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Can you love a nice sunset? Yes. 
Can you love uh, fish? Yes. Can you love? Yeah, sure. But it's the system. That's the problem. The system of this world. By the way, I mean, let me end here. Got to tell you this: the Christian church is a target for the world and the devil, and he would like to do one thing. And what is that one thing he like the church to become? Now think with me before we close. I can't do all the thinking. <laughs> think with me. What does the devil want to do to the Christian church? The key, the key would be, if you're a detective, the key would be that word there. What does he want the church to become? To make it ineffective? Say that again. Ah, yes. He wants to make the church worldly. What's that mean? Well, there's a Bible verse that talks about the word worldly. Worldly is to say that the church, something spiritual, has become less spiritual. It becomes more carnal like the world. And as we know what the world is like, he wants to make the church like that. Whereas the church is supposed to be separate from the world. So what are some clues in which the world is getting into the church? Clues. Let's be detectives here. What is what is what are some clues? What are some if you're a detective, what are the clues that the church is becoming worldly? I mean, we can't be in the blank. We, we have to see some clues when your child's going bad. There's some clues in your, in your husband and wife. they got something going on. There's clues as to your car not running right. There's something wrong. There's, there's clues. I got a little triangle go on with an exclamation mark on my dash this morning for the first time. I asked my, what is that? It just got my attention because it's bright art. What is that? I don't know what that is. I don't have the manual on me, but it's telling me something is off. Could be nothing. Could be just, I don't know. Okay, what are the clues that the church is getting carnal on worldly? They're tolerating music. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. Michael says, okay, 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 okay. Got to say important. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> music. Okay? Music style, music, the way it's accepted is a sign of how a church is going. Do you know that our music is not like the world's music? We, as a matter of fact, it's a turnoff to a lot of people because it's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's too boring because we hymns, songs about God. What? That is not what we want. Okay, music is the deterioration of music is a mark that the church is getting worldly. What's another? Quickly, another one, another mark. Huh? Oh, okay. Uh, Bible. I look at the church's uh, doctor statements. A lot of them who used to say we believe in the King James Bible, now they're saying we believe that the Bible is the Word of God and it's very generic. It never identifies what they really believe in. So there's a progression. Okay, what's something else? Quickly, quick, something else that shows that the church can become worldly. Preaching that is preaching. Oh, okay, preaching. Me, 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 I, 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 you, you, you. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. You have a glorious destiny. God will help you fulfill your dreams. Don't be discouraged. No, look, don't have to make fun. But it's obvious that it's a very man-centered setup. Okay, one more. Any more? Yeah, there's a there's a 
there's a list of things that can go on that you just now say, oh, you know, that's that's of the world. How about dressing, women's dressing? How about men's dressing? How about the style of clothing? Uh, where, where people, you know, there are churches which there are front row seats for the VIPs. VIP. You can't sit there because it's cornered off for the VIPs. VIP. You know what a VIP is? It's a VIP. <laughs> Very important person. Well, you know, that's a sign of being worldly to elevate someone because of their status in this world, make them sit in front, give them the choice seats. It's like a production, it's like a theater movie. It's like you come to the front, you pay more for the front seats. That's getting worldly, that's getting carnal. In the church, nobody's, in the church, everybody's nobody. <laughs> In the church, everybody's just the same. Sinners, saved by grace. And whether you have money or no money, it makes no difference. You're just a nobody that God saved. Now you're part of the family of God, local church. You're supposed to be like everybody else. Church is getting worldly. And when people get worldly, church get worldly, things will go bad. It'll always go bad. And it'll always be, this is ironic. Worldly churches always get become more popular. Churches that are trying to live right, they're not going to be as popular. But, who are you trying to please anyway? You want to be like the world or want to be like the kind of church that God is pleased with? You want to be like a kind of Christian that God is pleased with or be the kind of Christian that everybody loves? You know, that's not possible. To be loved by everybody. Now, you're not supposed to be ugly to anybody, but you're supposed to be respected. They can respect you even though they don't like you. I hate Francis, you know that? <laughs> Because he's always in church and study. He doesn't take any time off. Whatever, whatever the you know, whatever your person can do. I'm just trying to say, I may not like him, but I have to respect him, and that's okay. But when he begins to call up to me and butter up to me because he wants to be like me, and uh, hey, Francis, you know, um, let's go do something on the time that you're supposed to go. And you know what I'm saying? It can become like that. You got to be careful. It's as people say, it's a slippery slope. It happens very subtly, but it happens quickly, and down you go downhill real soon. You can come back up though. You just gotta catch yourself. All right. Well, um, that was just identifying. Next time I have to continue of verse uh, sixteen and seventeen. There's more to say about that. All right. Any questions? Okay. Let's take a short break, and we're back here at ten forty-five.